Well, hey everybody, welcome to Grace Life. Would you put your hands together one more time? Help me welcome all of our first time guests. We are so glad to have you with us today. Whether you're online or right here in the room, man, that never gets old. I'm so glad you guys keep celebrating that every week. I'm excited about our future. I hope you are too. You know, we've been telling you every week, the reason that we're doing this is because in the last five years, we've grown to over 2,000 people, as you've heard. We've seen over 1,000 people now give their lives to Jesus. And the one I'm most excited about, last weekend, we had our Ignite weekend. That means our teenagers here took over the building. And the building is still standing. No, I'm just kidding. What I'm really excited about is when the teenagers took over the building. We had 63 people either give their lives to Jesus or rededicate their lives to Jesus. Come on. So personally, I want to keep telling those kinds of stories. I hope you do too. And the obvious point is uh, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to make room for those stories. We're going to have to make room to reach more people. That's what this is all about. If you are a guest, uh, this is a journey we're taking together as a family, but the good news is the preaching series will help you with your own life, so you don't need to just say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, what did we stumble into? I don't want to be a part of a building campaign. That's okay. What we're talking about in our sermons is challenging each one of us to go beyond where we are in our own lives, because here's what I believe. I believe God wants to do more than you and I could ever imagine through us on the earth. I don't believe God's idea for his children is that we live a purposeless or a a wasted life, but I believe God wants to do great things through us. And equally at the same time, I believe God wants to do great things through his church upon the earth. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so that's why our theme verse for this whole series is Ephesians 3.20. You just saw it on the screen, but here it is one more time. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond And again, the reason you can say that in the Bible and you could never say it in English paper is because that actually is the best that we can attempt to express the original language. The original language means that God takes our reasonable expectations and then he goes to considerable excess to an extraordinary degree. So you come up with your dreams, your ideas, your hopes for your life, and then God takes considerable excess to an extraordinary degree above that. And honestly, I think most Christians are living so far below what God has for them. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that kind of a church family. And so all that we are talking about for these six weeks, and this is part four, if you've missed any of it, you can catch up either online or on our app. But we're talking about how to go beyond in our own lives and how we can go beyond as a church to reaching more people. So I want to remind you of two very important dates coming up before we go any further. The first one is next weekend. It is now next weekend, February 29th and March 3rd. This is our commitment weekend. When you came in, there was a tiny little card on our seats. Uh, it, it's made by someone in, our, in their 20s on our staff. You can tell because the rest of us, we need reading glasses. But uh, get your reading glasses. You'll be able to, to see what's on this. You can just set this aside. Again, if Grace Life is your home church, if you're a part of the Grace Life family, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. And then... So uh, as I was saying, it's our commitment weekend. Uh, This is because we need to actually take time to sit down and to pray, to talk to our spouse and to say, this is what I feel God is calling me to do. And then our second important date is the last weekend, which will be week six, two weeks from today. This is when we actually begin to give. This is when we get this thing started. I mean, it's nice to look at the video. It's nice to hear you cheer every week, but at some point we want to begin because I want to 
I want to move into that space. I want to see thousands more give their lives to Jesus. And so our beginning offering, going beyond offering, is what we're calling it. Two weeks from today, we have a goal. And uh, it's an ambitious goal, and that is that we could come together as a church family and give over $1 million in one weekend. And that's huge. I only got one, yeah, over there. (laughs) But I believe we can do it. And here's the reason that we need to do this is because we want to start this building. If you're not aware, we only use about 33,000 square feet out of this 70,000 square foot building. So it looks bigger from the street than what we actually are doing. But we want to to turn the other 45,000 square feet into youth space and children's space, nursery space, because before we can build seats for the adults, we've got to have a place for their children to go. And uh, we want to do as much of this building in cash as possible. We do want to start this by the uh, fall or at least, uh, you know, the end of 2024, which is this year. So that is why we have such a big goal. We've still got architectural and engineering and all that sorts of stuff to do. So, woo, there you go. That's a lot. Well, let's get into our series, everybody. Again, if you're a guest, we are taking six weeks to take six steps through going beyond And that is the idea of what God would want to do in our lives. If you've missed any of it, as I said, you can catch up online. But we started the series, part one, talking about the fact that God has a vision for your life. God created you. You're not a biological accident. You're not just here because your parents wanted you to be here. No, God created you. And he made you to be you, unique with your own gifts and your own talents. And what that means is that God has a vision for your life. I want you to think about it this way. When you get to heaven, I think every one of us, our greatest hope would be as we stand before God, we would actually see a smile on his face as he looks at you and says, well done. Come on, is that anybody here? Well, here's the thing you got to understand. God is going to judge well done based upon his vision for our lives, not your dream, not your plans. So we need to get God's vision for our lives. In part two, we talked about the idea that if you want to live God's vision, there will be a test. And it's going to require us to surrender something. I don't know what it'll be for you. It'll be different from the person beside you. But God is going to call you to surrender something because the test is to find out, do you love God more than something in your life? And we've been looking at Abraham's story throughout this series. And we saw how God called Abraham, gave him vision for his life, how God tested Abraham. And then we also looked in part three at how God speaks to his people. And I know this was a new thought for some of us today. Some of you may have grown up like I did in a theological background where we believe God used to speak and now we have the Bible and that's all we need. And you do need the Bible, that's very important. But if you missed part three, and if the idea that God still speaks to his children today, today God speaks to his children, I wanna encourage you to go get that message because I believe it's life-changing. The truth is you can't hear God's vision for your life. You can't hear God call you to surrender something if you can't hear God's voice. Well, today, look, I want to talk about something that I hope since we began last week talking about God speaking to you, I hope that this last week you have heard God speak to you clearer. I hope you're hearing God's voice more confidently. But how many of you know that sometimes there is a disconnect between hearing and doing? Anybody? Look, my wife, uh, she had to take one of our children out of town last weekend. So she was gone Sunday morning. She flew away on Sunday morning while I was preaching. And so that means that I had to, to leave church and round up three other children and deal with those. And so when we got home and I'm looking at the house and everything they're doing, how many of y'all know mothers are nicer sometimes? I mean, mothers actually believe that they're still supposed to like 
feed the children, care for the children, clean after the children a little bit. Me, not so much. I believe you have children so they can do that stuff. And then hopefully by the time they get old enough and move out of the house, you can finally afford someone like a maid to come and help you out. You know, that's, that's it's just a transition along that way. So first of all, because of my great cooking skills, I rounded up my three children and I took them by five guys on the way home. But then when we got home, because my kids didn't have school the next day and they were wrapping up for McKnight weekend, I, I looked at our house and I said, you do this, this, and this, you do that, that, and that. And, and I left them with a list and because I had preached all morning and paid for double cheeseburgers, I thought I deserved a nap. <laughs> and the next morning I got up, we had somebody come into our house to, to do something and so I had to get up and, and, and was ready for that. And as I walked downstairs, I discovered that not a thing that I had told them to do got done. There's a gap between hearing and doing sometimes. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying. But it's not just children's and dads. It's all of us and God sometimes, right? I mean, how would you say you respond to hearing from God? Would you say, I, I do what I hear all the time? Some of the time? Don't raise your hand if you're none of the time. But that's what we're going to look at today is seeing if we can close the gap between the struggle we have because here's the problem we have with hearing and then doing. Most of the time when God speaks to us, it's a challenge. Can we be honest about that? Have you ever been sitting around and you heard God say you need more ice cream? Anybody? Probably not. <laughs> no, for most of us, we hear God say things like you need to apologize to that person. You need to forgive that person. You need to stop that thing. You need to change that habit. You need to give that away. Most of the time when we hear God speaking, it is a challenge. And because it is such a challenge, well, we may argue with God a little bit. We may debate if we've even heard God's voice in the first place. And so our fourth step of the journey today is what do we do if God calls us to do something? If we can hear his voice, if we've passed the surrender test, if we know where we're headed, we've got God's vision for our lives and we want to get there, here's the thing, you will have to step out. God will call you to do something. The question is, will we obey God's call when he does? And so we're going to begin today looking at what I think is probably the most famous person in all of the Bible, maybe the most famous story of someone who does not answer God's call. They do not obey God's call. And, and it's going to be such a short passage, you don't need to turn there. But it's just looking at the very beginning of the story of Jonah. How many of you guessed that Jonah is the person who went the opposite direction? And so here, here it is. It'll be on the screen. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the world. My SAT scores prove it, but I am pretty sure Nineveh and Tarshish are two completely different words. Completely different cities. Matter of fact, I did a little research to make sure I understood what I was talking about. And you got to keep in mind, Jonah is in the nation of Israel. And Nineveh is actually to the east of him. It's in modern-day Iraq. Tarshish is to the left, to the west of him across the Mediterranean Sea. He literally went hundreds of miles in the opposite direction. And as that verse said, he rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
Here's what's crazy. Maybe this was just his perspective. Maybe it's what the people of God believed at the time. But since maybe they thought, well, we're the people of God and this is the land God has given us, maybe he actually believed if I leave this place, I can get away from God. And if I can get away from God, he cannot call me to go to those people. Crazy thought, but he tried it. See, here's the reality. Nineveh was a corrupt city filled with immoral people. And even though, even though that's the case, instead of God wiping them out, God wanted to call out to them. He wanted to give them a chance to to change their ways and to turn. And so God simply asked Jonah to be a messenger, but Jonah refused. And as we just said, he went in the opposite direction. You, You ever wondered why? I wonder why. Maybe it was pride. Maybe he looked down upon those people and he thought, they don't deserve a second chance. They're not God's people and they're corrupt. Maybe it could have been something that would have been best labeled as racism. It's a problem throughout all of human history. Maybe he simply disliked them as a people. Maybe it was an offense or unforgiveness. After all, Nineveh was part of the Assyrian Empire that had been warring against the people of God. And so it could be very possible that he simply had a hard heart towards them. And the reason I make that point is because I think every one of us can identify with those same kind of feelings. We can maybe have the same struggle, and just like Jonah, we often have deeply personal reasons that we will not obey God's call. Deeply personal reasons. Maybe we don't like the people God is calling us to be nice to. Maybe God's calling you to invite your neighbor to church, but that's a problem since you and your neighbor have been fighting over where the dog goes in the yard. And to invite them to church, you'd actually have to apologize and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you just love the ways you're living more than the way God wants you to live. Maybe you just don't want to give or share that thing you have. We've all got deeply personal reasons that sometimes we don't obey God's call. But I don't, I don't want you to miss the main point here. God has a plan for the people of Nineveh. They don't even know that God has a plan for them. They're not even aware that God is sending a messenger. They don't even know that the person who could change their life direction in the favor of God is headed completely in the opposite direction. They don't even know. See, here's the point. Until we obey God's call, we won't even know the blessing that we or others may be missing out on. Did y'all get that? Until we obey God's call, we won't even know the blessing that we or others may be missing out on. After my junior year of college, I went to Romania on a two-week mission trip. My college pastor had been trying to get me to go on a missions trip for three years in college and kept inviting me to these different things. And I, I, I was very annoyed. And so I made a deal with him. I said, look, I, I'll make a deal with you. I'll go on this trip finally if you will leave me alone because I am not called to be a missionary. And so he agreed and he left me alone. And he was able to leave me alone because God didn't. And so I got to Romania and I was just there on this trip and And I woke up, you know, sometimes if you travel halfway around the world, your sleep schedule is very different from the time zone you find yourself in. And so one morning, I think it was like the first day or two of the trip, I woke up. I was the only one awake out of our whole group. I had someone staying in the room with me. I didn't want to bother them. And I had this nice little balcony. And our 
Our hotel was the very last thing on the edge of the city. And so my balcony pointed out all across the fields and all across the villages. And, and I just sat there waiting for the sun to come up, just, just praying. And as the sun started to come up, what looked like ants invading the fields, the people were just coming to work just as the sun is coming up. And, and they were coming out with sickles on their, their shoulders to come and reap the fields. I mean, they didn't even have John Deere tractors, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. And my heart began to break for these people. And I began to feel for them. And if y'all know me, that was weird. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not the most sympathetic. I'm not the most empathetic person you'll ever meet. And I can often be detached from people around me. Matter of fact, sometimes I'll ask you to get out of the way while I straighten the chairs, even though you're sobbing and hearing from God. And I'm, I'm totally not missing it. Or I am missing it. I'm totally not seeing it. And so I knew at that moment when I'm feeling things for people that I don't normally feel, and I, I heard something that I believe was as clear as God's voice as I'd ever heard. He called me to come back and to, to give my life to these people, at least for whatever period of time he would ask. And you need to understand, that wasn't my plan. You see, again, this was after my junior year of college. I was a concert pianist, music major, and so the biggest thing that I was going to do would be my senior recital. That's what everybody aimed for for four years. And so I even knew the music I wanted to play on my senior recital. I had plans for grad school. I had plans for a job. I had plans for everything. And when God called me to move back to Romania, I had to choose if I was going to obey that or stick with my plans. And fortunately for me, I did obey God's call. And I, I changed my plans. I didn't go to grad school. I didn't get a job. I ended up being an unemployed missionary trying to live off of $200 a month. I gave up playing piano, which that may sound like nothing to you, but I played four to eight hours a day, seven days a week for four years. It's what I did. I loved it. I, I walked away from every person that I knew and found myself in a different country. But again, until we obey God's call, we won't even know the blessing we or others may be missing out on. You see, if I had not obeyed God's call, I would not have this woman right here on the front row, everybody, my Romanian wife who used to be my translator. I thought it was cheaper to marry her than to pay her. <laughs> the things we think in our 20s. I wouldn't have her, I wouldn't have my children, at least as my children are, because my children are half her. I wouldn't have the experiences that have shaped me to put me where I am today to do what God's called me to do today. Until we obey God's call, we won't even know the blessing we or others may be missing out on. Because for whatever reason, God has chosen to work through people. Y'all understand, we're pretty messed up. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, God, why did you put the greatest plan in the hands of the most messed up people? But it's because we're all messed up. And yet God continues to work through us. God does amazing things every single day upon the earth and rarely do they come through angels and burning bushes. They come through us. And you go to God saying, God, I need something. You pray for provision. An angel does not show up with a box of gold coins. Nope, you pray for provision. And someone says, I just feel God told me to give you this. You are sick. You ask God to heal you and someone comes and lays hands on you and prays for you. Someone God works through. You are discouraged. 
And God sends someone to encourage you at the right time filled with the Holy Spirit. God uses someone. Don't miss this. Since God works through people, without obedient people, we'll never see the power or purpose of God released in our lives. Did y'all get that? Since God works through people, without obedient people, we'll never see the power or purpose of God released in our lives. So the challenge for you and me today is to do something Jesus said. It's one little sentence in John 14. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. All who love me will obey. When I call, they will say, yes, Lord. All who love me will do what I say. One version says, if you love me. He kind of puts it out there. If you love me, you won't just take communion at church once a week. No, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And I really want to clarify something here, and then I'll move on. But Jesus' very next sentence made it very clear. It wasn't just the few things he said for a few years. His very next sentence says, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. So first of all, we need to understand that obeying God's call starts with anything and everything that he has said in his word. Now, if you've been at Grace Life any period of time, you've heard that a few times. Because that's one of my personal passions and life messages to, to get us to understand God has spoken to us through his word and we have to do what he said in his word. But because I have preached on that and because that is another message, I'm going to now move on. That was just the foundation. But what I really want us to understand for today's message is this is about you and me obeying God's call that is unique to each of our own lives. Here's the reality. You will be called by God to do something that the person beside you is not going to be called to do. And a lot of times we get frustrated. God, why are you asking this of me? I'm watching my, my spouse or I'm watching my siblings or I'm watching my parents. They didn't have to do this. It wasn't that hard for them. You didn't give them such a challenge. Well, you are you. And your gifts are different from those people. And the call that God has for you is different from those people. It may look harder. I don't know if it is. Sometimes things just look different from what they are. It may actually be harder. But again, that's what God has for you. You see, God calls each of us to something unique for our own lives. God called Noah to build an ark when, to the best of our knowledge, no one had ever seen rain and he lived nowhere near an ocean. What was that about? God called Peter to walk on water when no other human could. God called Moses to face his fears and his enemy and potentially his death to set the people of God free. God called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand for him and to not bow to another God, even if it meant burning in a fiery furnace. God called Jesus to die on the cross as a convicted man, even though he was innocent and holy. We could keep going. Every story you read in the Bible, you'll find out is unique. There's no repeat. Everyone is called to do what God has put in them for the vision that he has for their lives. God's vision for your life is waiting on the other side of obeying God's call. 
God's vision for your life is waiting on the other side of obeying God's call. I think way too often there are too many of us that are frustrated with life. You read the Bible and say, where are those kind of stories? Well, I, I thought the Christian life is supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be passionate. It's supposed to be adventure-filled. We're supposed to see dead people raised and, and lame people walking and blind people seeing. When is the last time you laid hands on a dead person and said, in the name of Jesus, rise? You see, if we don't do the hard things that God calls us to do, then we don't see the exciting things that God has planned. Often there is a gap between hearing and doing. And so what I want to, to give you today is as practically as I can, three things that I think will help you close that gap. I mean, how many of you would like to be a part of what God really has planned for you? Y'all with me? So let's see if we can close this gap between when God speaks and when we actually do. The first one is to simply believe God is for you. I shouldn't have to preach that if you think about it, but you need to believe God is for you. It amazes me the number of Christians that show up every week somewhere around the world to worship a God that they think is angry and waiting to strike them down. He's a good God who loves us, but we often don't see them that way. We all had parents growing up, right? And most parents are somehow leaning one direction or the other. Most of us had a parent that was a little more on the strict side, and most of us had a parent that was a little more on the mercy side. And you knew which one to ask if you could stay out past curfew. You knew which one to ask if you could have more ice cream. You knew which parent to avoid when you got a bad grade. And for whatever reason, most of us see God as the strict parent, the one that's going to say no if we ask, the one that's going to ground us if he finds out. Why do we see God that way? Because that's not who God is. Look at this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we were opposed to God, before we were saying, glory to God, I love you, God, before that, he asked his son to die in our place so that we wouldn't. This is the foundational display of God's goodness to you and me. We need to know God is good. God is for you. God created you. God redeemed you. God loves you. God calls you. And when you believe this, it's so easy to obey him. But if you don't believe that, it's hard to obey him. This is our God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that? That was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah to the people of God. And we can still believe that that is God's intent for his people today. God is not angry and waiting to strike you. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Believe God is for you. The second one, if you believe God is for you, then don't be limited by your understanding. Often we're simply held back because what God calls us to do doesn't make any sense to us. But God, if I do that, how will that, will that I don't understand this, so I'm just not going to do it. I forgot to just share with you a, a short little snapshot, a beautiful picture of how this gets in our way. Before Jesus was crucified, he was having the last supper with his disciples. And after they ate, he got up and he 
he began to wash the feet of each of his disciples, which was something only a servant would do because everyone wore sandals in the Middle East and it was dusty. One of the things that would happen when you'd enter a home, the servants would wash your feet. This was a remarkable step that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was doing for these humans. And Peter was appalled by it. John 13 says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not now understand. You don't understand it, Peter, but afterward you will. You don't understand right now, but you will in the future. And yet Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Here's what's baffling. Look, we all want to get to heaven and fuss at people like Adam and Eve. Why did you eat the fruit? Seriously, people? And we want to fuss at Peter. Like, how did you sink in the water when you got closest to Jesus, right? We, we all think we're going to get to heaven and fuss at everybody else. But here's the reality. We're just as messed up as they are. Jesus literally looked at Peter and said, you don't understand. You will later, so just go with it. And he's like, I'm not going with it. Uh-uh. Nope, not washing my feet. But how many times do we hear from God? How many times do we hear from the all-knowing, all-powerful God who created everything, who knows the future, and then we go, well, I don't quite understand, so I guess I'm not going to do it. Seriously? Look, we don't get to point fingers at Peter. We do the same thing today. The question is, will you obey based on your understanding or simply based on God's call? Because if you wait until you understand everything, we're going to miss out on most of what God would ask. And the third one, well, I know it's a trademark slogan, but we're just going to go with it, everybody. The third point to close the gap between hearing and doing is just do it. Seriously, just do it. You know, what this is really about is don't let your fear stand in the way. We've all been there. We've all been at some high point where we've got a friend challenging us to jump into the water, but we're a little scared to jump into the water. We've all been there afraid of our first day of school. We've all been there afraid to get off the bus for basic training. We've all been there afraid to confess something we need to confess. But we all also know how much better it was after we did. We know how much better the second day of school was. And by your senior year, you acted like you owned the place. And by the time basic training was over, you were excited for the stripes or the bars or the stars or whatever they gave you eventually. And once we had confessed that thing and experienced forgiveness, you see, God will speak and you'll have to do something. You may have to make a change, take a step, jump even if you don't see where to land. I don't know. Just do it. It's called faith. That's what this is actually about. If you understand it all and if you can see the landing, it's not faith. It's not faith. And what you need to know is you can't operate in faith while enabling your fear. The Bible tells us, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. You're not going to understand everything. You're not going to see every landing. You're not going to know what is coming. Without faith, it is impossible to please him because we are trusting him we're trusting that whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and he rewards those who seek him. That is this journey. 
He rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who say, God, I want your vision for my life. God, I surrender this to you. God, I want to hear your voice. And God, I say yes to you. And we have to believe on the other side of that is the reward because he said so. He said so. I didn't make that up. So let me close. I would imagine that throughout this message, some of you have been thinking of all the times you haven't obeyed God. And you've been plagued by all the wrong decisions or the things you've missed. You might be feeling bad about yourself. I'm not gonna let you leave that way. Because the point of this message was not to make you feel bad for all of the times you didn't do or didn't do what you were supposed to. Let's go back to Jonah. If you don't know the story of Jonah, as he was headed the wrong direction, God brought a storm so that they threw him overboard and then God had a fish pick him up. Crazy. <laughs> Some people struggle to believe in the fish, but the fish is God giving everyone a second chance. I'd encourage you to believe in the fish because God gives second chances. And I don't want you to leave today feeling bad about yourself. I want you to leave today saying, if God is on the throne and I'm still breathing, God has given me another chance. Today, I will do what God has said. Here's the truth. God has a vision for your life. God will call you to surrender to him. God will speak to you. The question you have to answer is, will you obey his call when you hear his voice? We're going to close with another story of something God is doing here through Grace Life, something that God started doing I didn't even know to pray for, I didn't even ask for. I'm so excited about this because one of the things that I think is so cool about building a new auditorium is what we'll be able to do in this one. So if you would, turn your attention to the screen. My name is Dee Troche. My name is Orlando. And we have two boys, Gabriel, who is 22, and Jafet, who is 17, and we've been coming to Grace Life for almost eight years. So when we started coming to Grace Life, I didn't really notice that there was a Hispanic community there already. Right after the pandemic hit and we reopened Grace Life, that's when I started seeing more Hispanic families. And we were so happy because, you know, Hispanic, once we see each other, we jump out of joy. We started seeing the Hispanic community grow in 2020, like late 2020. And that's when we decided to start the Hispanic Life Group. Yeah, once we started the Hispanic Life Group, then slowly we saw another families joining in. Eventually the group got bigger and now we handed out to Marisa and Juan that they are now uh, running that Life Group. And Marisa. And I'm Juan and I came in to Grace Life right behind her, three and a half years. <laughs> well, the fruit that we have seen come out of the, the life group, I think we've seen people grow. A lot of the, the members, the newer members, they come in uh, kind of shy, they sit in the corner, and, and then all of a sudden you see how they start developing and, and get engaging, uh, not just in the class discussion, but whenever we get together for fellowship and they start feeling a part of, uh, of a group. My name is Carlos. My name is Damaris. And we started coming to uh, Grace Life uh, October 2021. Dee introduced me to Maritza, and then Maritza got my phone number and she uh, told me that she has uh, a uh, life group. My initial impression of Grace Life was something that we always love to find, a family intended church, and a wonderful welcoming people, loving people that we, uh, we were connecting easy to the church, and that's what we really 
felt attracted that uh, the love and the connection that we found. I think it's very important for the church to reach the Hispanic community because in the last few years, the Hispanic community has been growing exponentially in the United States, and they are looking for a place where there are people with similar cultural backgrounds that they're just one to grow in their relationship with God, and they, they want to build those relationships with like-minded Christians. When they see that the church is making space for them to come and find life and continue growing in their relationship with God. It's just like so special for them and they just start coming, you know, even if they like with the interpretation, even if they don't understand everything and they cannot be talking with other people in English, they find life at Grace Life. Hola, quiero invitarte aquí a Grace Life porque aquí tenemos servicio en español. Y queremos que vengas y puedas tú tener esa experiencia que busques como iglesia hispana. Y aquí hemos encontrado una familia maravillosa. Te invitamos para que tú vengas y puedas disfrutar con tu familia aquí en Grace Life el mensaje traducido en español. Y te invitamos a que vengas y adores con nosotros. So one of the things we're most excited about is that when we are able to have two auditoriums operating at the same time, one of them will be an English campus and the other will be a full Spanish campus. The entire service being done in here in Spanish. We think it's important for the future of America that the kingdom of God is not only being uh, translated or spoken in English because God is moving through many people upon the earth. So we're excited for our future. Look, if I could just take a moment to close this, as I said, we would come back to this. I, I would like, if you're a guest, if you would, you would just allow us to take a moment as a family here at Grace Life. And let's talk about what next weekend means for our future and what we're doing. The truth is, as we're making room to reach more people, and if you are a guest, we are making room for you and your friends. But if Grace Life is your church and you feel to be a part of this, the reason that we are going about it this way, if you've maybe this is new for you, you're saying, I, I don't know I've ever heard of doing it like this. Well, it's actually the way that God did it in the Bible every single time. Every time that he wanted the people of God to build a place of worship, whether it was the tent of meeting or the tabernacle or the temple or the rebuilding of the temple, he always said, go to the people, go to my people and take up an offering. But it was always a free will offering for your heart and nothing more if it wasn't in your heart. Let me show this to you in Exodus 25. This is where one of the stories began with Moses taking up an offering for the tabernacle. God said, speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution. And then we'll skip to Exodus 35, the other end of the story when they came forward. It said, so all the men and women of the Israelites whose hearts prompted them, well, they brought a free will offering, a free will offering to the Lord for all the work that the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. You need to know that what we're doing for the next three years and what we're gonna begin next week with these commitment cards, if you want to, you can grab that now and take a look at it. This is a free will offering. No arm twisting, no pressure, no manipulation. If it's not on your heart, that's okay. But for those of you that God has been moving your heart to be a part of making room here at Grace Life, 
to reach more people through Grace Life. If it's on your heart, then we're going to begin next week with saying what we believe God has called us to do, what God wants to do through us to make a difference. On the back of the card, there's a little tool, little some helpful stuff, QR code, as well as just a little chart of how your giving can make a difference if you give weekly over three years, monthly, annually, or however that works. And look, I want you to know I'm, I'm not concerned about those details, and I don't want you to get lost in those details. What I'd like to ask you to do, again, if God has placed this upon your heart, is to take this week, take this card with you. You may want to bring it back already filled out. If you lose it, though, don't worry. We will have more cards on your seats next week. You can fill it out then. But I'd like to encourage you to be praying as a family, as a couple, and asking the question, God, what do you want to do through me? And that question is different. God, what do you want to do through me? Because let me explain. When it comes to something like this, a situation where you're giving towards something like this, there are three levels of giving. The first one is to answer the question, what can I afford? And if you're new to Grace Life or you're new to giving, that is a great place to start. Where can I begin to give? What can I afford? But then there's the next level where you ask, what can I sacrifice? And that's where you set aside part of your budget for something that you want to go to something else. Maybe it's your eat out budget, maybe it's a vacation budget or whatever it is that you, you choose to sacrifice something so that you can believe in something else over the three years. I've told my wife she's gonna have to sacrifice getting her nails done for three years, but we'll see what we can do to work on that, everybody. But then the next question, and here's the real issue is, what do I believe God can do through me? And this is about faith. This is about what God can do that you can't do in your budget even if you sacrifice. I have to tell you a story. I, I had a, a man come to me back in the fall and he told me what he believed God wanted him to give to this campaign. It was the largest single contribution commitment we had ever heard of here at Grace Life. It was seven figures. How many of y'all know that was a good day in my office? Come on, somebody. But then, as we began taking this journey together and he took an extended fast on his own to hear from God for his life, God told him, I think you need to revisit that number. And he met with me just this week and he gave me the new number. And I'm gonna tell you the truth. I sat there and in my head I said, good luck with that. And then God reminded me of what I was gonna preach this weekend. And I thought, forgive me God. Who am I to doubt what he has faith to believe God can do through him? So I, I'm just encouraging you. God always wants to do more through us, whether it's healing the sick, seeing your neighbor come to him, or providing for something on the earth. Whatever it is, God always wants to do more than you and I can ever do on our own. Again, free will offering only for those if it's on your hearts. That's what we'll be doing together as a family next week. Can I pray for us? God, we thank you that you love us enough, that you did redeem us, that you've chosen to work through us, that you've given our lives meaning by calling us to do things. Yes, sometimes they're hard, sometimes they're challenging, sometimes they're scary, but you give purpose. We worship you. We're so grateful that we get to be a part of what you're doing upon the earth. 
And so God, today, we want to be a people who say yes to your call. Matter of fact, God, it would be my prayer for every one of us. I believe it would be each of our hearts to say, God, we want to say yes even before we hear what you ask. We want to be those kind of people that we say, yes, God, because we know that you are for us and we trust you. You've never let us down. Today in faith, we declare you are good. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer. I want to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. As we've been celebrating all the salvations here, what that's really about is what we call the gift of salvation. It means that you and I, every human has been separated from God by our own sin. Might have been an attitude, might have been things we said or things we did. Chances are, it's quite a few. But the good news is God loved you and me so much that instead of leaving us separated from him by our sins, where we would have to pay for those through eternity, he sent his son Jesus, God in the flesh, to live a perfect life upon the earth, to be crucified in your place and in mine, so that when his blood was shed and his body was broken, it would pay for sin, but he had none of his own, so it paid for ours. And anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior receives that forgiveness for their sins. And they receive eternal life by the same power that raised him from the grave. Again, it's a free gift, but it's a gift you have to receive. And if you never have, I want to help you do that right now, whether you're online or right here in the room. Would you pray and simply say something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now, I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven in my simple prayer here today. Would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would you all help me celebrate with them, everybody?